when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. My name is Sari Delamont. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome to our regular listeners. Well, today we're going to be talking about the three types of listening. And I think that most of you probably when you think of listening, think there's only one type of listening. But you might be surprised to learn that there are three types. And if you really want to get good at voir dire, you have to tune in to the other two types. So let's let's think about this in terms of voir dire before we go into the three types of listening. Why is voir dire so hard? You know, I was really surprised when I first got into this work that voir dire was the one thing that continually came up with my clients as the as the main challenge in trial. And it really used to 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 throw me for a loop because I thought this is the, the time where you get to actually talk to the jurors. It's very loosey goosey. Uh, you don't have to really have any like a presentation planned. And it really threw me off because I thought this is the easy part. But what I recognized as I got deeper and deeper into this world of yours is that the fact that it is so loosey-goosey is why it's so frightening. I mean, there's nothing like standing in front of a group, a hostile group, (laughs) most cases, that don't want to be there and attempting to get them to talk to you. That in itself is just absolutely fear-inducing. But add to that this idea that you can't prepare for voir dire in that you can prepare your side of the conversation, but you don't know what the other side is going to say. And that can be scary as well. This is why so often when I, when I dig into what's the scary part of Wadir, yes, it's the, you know, I'm scared that they won't talk to me. I'm scared that, you know, they don't like me and that they're going to tell me terrible things. But I, the number one fear that I get from most people when we talk about Wadir and why it's so scary is follow-up. Most of my clients continually tell me, I don't know how to follow up. That's the hard part in voir dire. Even if I have the questions, once they have their answer, I just don't know what to do with it. So that's why I think it's so important that you tune into the three levels of listening or types of listening because every good thing in voir dire happens because of how well you're listening. So let me explain what I mean by that. There are three types of listening or three levels. And I get the three levels of listening from my CTI classes, my coactive training coaching classes. I'm a, I'm a trained coactive coach. And so I want to give them credit for the three levels of listening. In fact, I'll talk a little bit more about this as we get further into the podcast. If you want to be excellent at Wadir, you need to go and take a coaching class. You might think, well, that's just so weird. Just put that in your, put that feather in your cap for a minute <laughs> or put a cork in it, whatever the um, saying is for just a moment. I'll explain why later in the podcast. But the three levels of listening comes from coactive 
uh, coaching model. The first level is level one listening. And so this is the type of listening where you are listening to yourself. And I don't mean your deeper self, your truer self, your wisdom. I mean the chatter that just goes on in your head. Now, this is where most attorneys reside during voir dire, meaning when they ask the question and the juror starts speaking, instead of actually listening to the juror and what they're saying, they go inside. They start listening to their own voice and they start listening to, oh my God, is that a good good answer? Is that a bad answer? What do I do? How do I follow up? Uh, what does this mean? What does everybody else think? And there are a couple of problems with that. One is you can't listen to two voices at one time. So if you're listening to yourself, that means you're not listening to what the juror is saying. The second problem with level one listening is that when you are listening to yourself, the jurors can tell that you're not listening to them. Even if you have all the other nonverbals of listening, which we'll talk about in just a minute, the jurors can tell that you've gone away. Now, the reason I know this is that I've seen it over and over in the hundreds of mock juries that I've had here in my studio in Portland and the actual juries that I've helped assist with jury selection and in actual trials. Jurors can tell when you go away. And in our seminars, we will do this. We'll have people face each other and we'll say, okay, one of you talk and the other one listen and continue to make eye contact. But at some point, go inside your own head in terms of the listener. Start thinking about something else. Again, still maintain that eye contact, but just go away. And then we tell the speaker, when you notice that the person has gone away, call them out. Say, oh, you're not here anymore. 99% of the time, the speaker can absolutely tell when the person has gone away. Now, this is not the message that you want to send jurors when you are talking to them and getting them to talk to you. Why on earth would they talk to you if they don't feel as though you are truly listening to them? So we need to really practice how to get out of our level one listening and into level two listening. But before we go there, let's talk about why you stay in level one. Here's why. There's one thing that you are really afraid of. I've, I've seen this across the board. You are afraid of silence. Silence is the big thing that most attorneys are afraid of because it's not silence that, that they're afraid of. It's what they think the silence means. So when there's a silence, when there is a lull in conversation in Wadir or anywhere else, we tend to think that means that we will appear less credible, that we will appear as though we don't know what we're talking about or that we're not prepared when nothing could be further from the truth. I'm going to come back to this idea of silence in just a moment. We talked about level three listening, but the, the pause or the silence is awkward. I will say this. If you hold your breath during the pause, which most of you do, because you're in your head, you're thinking, okay, I've got to come up with something. Uh, I've got to say something when they stop talking, or I'm going to have this awkward silence. So that's why you're in level one listening, right? Because you're afraid of the silence that is about to come. And then once the silence comes and you haven't come up with anything to say, <laughs> then you hold your breath because you're like, Ugh. 
what am I going to say? And when you hold your breath, then you activate your fight or flight response, which means you can't think, you can't access any of that great stuff that you've prepared. And boy, everything just goes down the tubes from there. I mean, that's when you start going around the superficial questions because you just want to fill the space. And boy, are we often running in the wrong direction. So let me just say, I get it. I get why Wadir is so hard now after years and years of watching you guys do this and you gals do this. It's because you are in your level one because you're afraid of silence. So let's have you get out of level one by talking about the other two types of listening to entice you into this realm to show you how great it is to be over here. And then let's talk, let's end the podcast with talking about how to get more comfortable with silence. So Level two listening. That's the type of listening that most of you have been trained in. So this is the type of listening where you are intently focused on the person who is speaking. And so this is what you are trained to do. What my concern here is, is that there's another level of listening that's also very important, but that even if you are listening to the juror intently, you don't communicate it. Meaning you may be hearing absolutely everything that they say, but most of you, as you're standing there in front of the juror who is speaking, have this stone-faced look where you're not moving, there's no nodding, you're barely blinking, and the juror can't tell whether you're listening or not. You may actually be listening. You may not be in your level one. You may be full in your level two, but you're not communicating it non-verbally. You know, when uh, attorneys come through our studio classes here, the Wadir studio, and we, we play the video back on Sunday after they've been in front of the Tumok juries, they are amazed to see themselves on the screen and they look like a frozen concrete statue. And I say, what message do you get from this? And they said, well, it's just... It's hard to engage with that person. And I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. One of the things that we want to do in Voidir, and this is you know part of my book, where this is really the second level when we're moving jurors from hostage to hero. The second level is engagement. We want the jurors to engage with us in the material, and that is happening during Voidir. But if you stand there and you look like a concrete statue, it's very hard to engage with that. So you have to add the nonverbals of listening. Now, for some people, this comes very naturally. And for others, not so much. So for those of you who this is not natural, I want you to put this into your bag of tricks, so to speak. Now, go back to the podcast two or three ago, which was on authenticity. If you start to feel like as I'm saying these things, well, sorry, that's not authentic. Go back and listen to that podcast. Let me just remind you here that being uncomfortable is not the same as being inauthentic. Listen, it's all about our motivation. If your motivation is to communicate to the jurors that you are listening to them, then you want to actually add the nonverbals of listening, whether or not that is quote unquote natural for you or not. Listen, there's a lot of things that don't come naturally or didn't come naturally to me in terms of presenting, for example. But I self-selected to do excellent presenting and I had to learn and bring those things into my repertoire. So the same can be said here. And by the way, none of these things are, are big things. For one, nod. Nod your head. 
as you're talking to the juror, okay? Now, you don't want to nod if they're saying something negative, <laughs> for example, so that you don't want to communicate to the jury that, yeah, this is really good stuff. But if it's just benign or positive, you want to nod just to communicate that you're hearing them. You also can tilt your head, for example. Let's say it's a situation where they're talking about how much they hate lawyers or they can never give money or whatever. You're tilting your head, okay, to communicate that you are open and listening and ready to receive instead of ready to speak. I mean, that's the thing is that most of us, we listen if we do it all. So because we're waiting to speak, not because we want to understand. So you want to make sure that you tilt the head. You can also make noises like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That will help communicate that you're listening. Obviously, you want to make eye contact, although not always. In the next podcast, we're going to talk about eye contact. Uh, when the juror has pro- uh, problems processing, you're going to want to not make direct eye contact to make it easier on them. Listen to the next podcast to understand why that is. But in general, you want to make that eye contact. For example, we had a, an attorney come out and when he watched his video back from the Wadir studio, he was amazed to see that as the juror was, juror was speaking, he was darting his eyes all around the jury box and communicating that he did not really want to hear what they had to say, that he was more interested in talking to another juror or jurors. So you want to maintain that eye contact with the juror that is speaking. The other thing that I think uh, is really important that most of you don't understand to communicate that you're listening is to close the lips. I can't tell you how many times I've watched attorneys and they are talking or they're listening to the juror, but their mouth is open. The lips are open. They're not touching each other. And that communicates, if you just see a snapshot of that, that you are about to speak. So get into the habit of closing the lips as you are listening to the juror. Doing these things communicates to the juror, I'm listening. And if we think back to the scarf model, for those of you who are new to me and you haven't listened to the first five or six podcasts where I go into that in depth, the second... No, the first of the scarf model, S, stands for status. And that is one of the sociological factors that when we reward people or we increase their status, the brain sees that as an, a reward. When we decrease someone's status, the brain sees that as an attack. Well, let's think about this in terms of status, in terms of the jurors in the courtroom. We tell jurors that they're important, but they don't feel very important. <laughs> Why? All the decisions are made for them. They're told where to go. They're told how long they have to be. Actually, they're not told how long. They're just saying, wait until we come get you. And then when they do come get them, nobody knows. They don't have any information. They don't know what's going on or why they're there or how long they have to be there or if they get chosen or how they get chosen. So status is very low because think about this in government context. You know, the, the higher status you are, the more information you have. Everything else is on a need-to-know basis, right? So as you gain more and more clout and status in the in the government, for example, you are given more information. You are let farther into the inner circle. So think about that in terms of the courtroom. For jurors, they are the lowest status people in the room because they know the least. Now, there are many ways to increase status. We've talked about several of them in the podcast so far. Um, I don't know what podcast this is, 15, 16, maybe we're almost at 20. But go back and listen to the status podcast and you'll get some ideas there. But one surefire way is to truly listen 
to jurors because that increases status. When someone truly listens to you and gives all their attention to this one person, it not only gives your attention, it focuses everyone else's attention on that person. And although that can be nerve wracking on some level, it also confers status. It says this person is worthy of being listened to. When you're darting your eyes around the room or standing there like a concrete statue, you're sending the absolute opposite message. I'm not really important here. Why is this guy even wasting my time? He's not listening to me anyway. So be very, very careful to communicate that you're listening on top of actually listening. That's the level two listening. Now, here's the problem with sticking just with level two listening. And this is where I see a lot of Wadiers just go off the rails, is that when you are really, really good at level two listening, which some of you actually are, absolutely, the problem is it becomes a series, Wadir becomes a series of one-on-one conversations. And that is a snooze fest in any situation, in any context. We, who in, on earth wants to be part, or a, I should say eavesdrop, on a private conversation? And that's what it starts to feel like when you're so intently focused on one juror, and then you move to the next juror, and then you move to the next juror. So yes, we absolutely want to have these level two listening conversations with jurors, but we also want to access our level three listening. Level three listening is where you are listening to what's in the space. You are listening to what has not being said. You are listening to how the group is responding to what the juror is saying. So yes, you are in level two with that particular juror, but your level three antenna, quote unquote, is on alert. And that is your intuition. That is your inner wisdom. That is listening to yourself, yes, but at a deeper, more solid level. And here is where all good things happen in Wadir because this level three listening is where you come up with your follow-up material. There's no, you know, I, I, for years and years, people go, you need to teach me how to follow up. And what I've come down to is there's no formula I can give you to say, this is how you follow up. This is how you get good at following up, except for developing your level three listening. You're listening for what's not being said. You're listening for when your intuition is screaming at you to communicate or ask a question uh, that just needs to be asked. Uh, Because of your level two listening, your level three will now function. If you're really listening to that, that juror, level three is also on alert for what's not being said or what's in the room or what's happening. And by the way, silence is where most level three listening happens. That's why I wanted to come back to silence, is that your intuition, I said a minute ago, screaming at you, sometimes it will. But in many cases, your intuition will not grab you by the shoulders and shake you until you listen to it. It's there, it's ready to speak if you give it room to arrive. That means that when you have those silences, and in fact, if you've been to my studio classes, you know that I train my attorneys to have intentional silence, to actually put silence in so that the group can form and that they can access their intuition, the attorney I mean. And so, and we'll talk more about why silence forms groups in, in further podcasts, but it's in that silence that your intuition can bubble up. So when that silence happens, instead of holding your breath, I want you to breathe. 
I want you to breathe and I want you to wait and see what comes up. You know, in my my seminars, we actually practice this where I do not allow the attorney to ask a question immediately once a juror is done speaking. We force them to wait and see what bubbles up because that's where all the good stuff happens. And the reason you're not doing that is because you don't trust that it's there. And what I'm here to tell you is it is there. You just aren't practiced in listening to it and trusting it. And that's really the first place is to trust that it's there, to trust that it's there and that to give it space to arrive because this is where you become an excellent Wadir practitioner. This is really where the science now moves into the art. Yes, you can create great questions. Yes, you can have a great roadmap. Yes, you can have all the nonverbal skills down to get people to engage with you and, and, and com- communicate that you're listening. But when you get to this level, when you get to the point where you can have that space and trust that the very next question you're about to ask to follow up is right there under the surface if you would just give it time to arrive, that is where this all starts to work. I mean, think about this in terms of meditation. You know, once you get into meditation and you start, you know, kind of get all of the thoughts kind of calming down and quieting down, other thoughts will come up. But now this is like the good stuff. I don't know if this happens to you, but when I meditate, after I quiet down the first 10 minutes or so, the last 10 minutes, that's when my brain, all the good stuff that was underneath all the chatter starts to rise to the top. All the great ideas, all the 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 problem solving, the the answers to my issues, that's where they all come up. But you've got to get past the mental chatter, the level one, to get to the level three. So how can you get better at silence? Because this is where a lot of good stuff happens. Well, you know, when's the last time that you went to dinner and didn't take your iPad or your iPhone or your laptop or a book? You're by yourself and you just sat and you ate and you enjoyed the food, and you people watched. That's a great way. I mean, that's not silence in terms of like, you know, the restaurant has noise, but that's oral or that's visual silence, right? Meaning that you're not like have your your eyes glued to something that distracts you from what's being happening in the present moment. Or when's the last time that you drove somewhere to court or where else without the radio or a podcast or something on the, on the, on the um, stereo system? That's another great place to get comfortable with silence and just being with your own thoughts. Meditation is another great way to get comfortable with silence. Start building more intentional pauses into your speech at any time with friends, family, CLE, whatever it may be, so that you can actually do it in court. The point is, is to get comfortable with silence because this is where level three happens. And yes, level two is where you need to be for sure, but level that's the, the science, level three is the art. And that's, my friend, are that, my friends, are the three levels of listening. All right, well, I hope this has been helpful. I'll see you guys next week. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.